Armenia, located in the South Caucasus regions, is a landlocked country with a rich history dating back to ancient times. The country boasts a distinctive cultural heritage. Armenian history spans thousands of years, marked by a unique cultural and historical trajectory. One of the world's oldest civilizations, Armenia has faced various empires, invasions and periods of independence. Notably, they adopted Christianity as a state religion in 301 CE, making Armenia the first nation to do so. Throughout history, Armenians have endured foreign rule, including the Persian, Byzantine and Ottoman empires. The Republic of Armenia emerged in 1991 after the collapse of the Soviet Union, bringing a new chapter to Armenian history. The ongoing Nagorno-Karabakh conflict and geopolitical dynamics continue to shape the nation's contemporary narrative. Despite historical challenges, Armenia has a resilient spirit and is known for its mountains, stunning landscapes and contributions to world literature and art. Throughout the highs and lows of Armenian history, one event has inflicted a nasty wound that has festered for almost a century. That festering wound is the Armenian Genocide. Hi everybody and welcome back to the Dark History Podcast, where we explore the darkest parts of human history. Hope everybody is well. I'm Rob, your host as always. Welcome to the new episode, The Denial of Slaughter, The Armenian Genocide. The Armenian Genocide refers to the systemic extermination of the Armenian population by the Ottoman Empire during World War I. It started in 1915 and was around till 1923. The Ottoman government, under the rule of the Young Turks, subjected the Armenians to mass killings, forced labour and deprivation. The term genocide was later coined to describe these acts as it involved the intentional destruction of a specific ethnic group. While recognised as a genocide by many countries and scholars, Turkey disputes this label, acknowledging the deaths but attributing them to wartime conditions and denying a systemic intent to eliminate the Armenian population. The recognition of the Armenian genocide remains contentious and a sensitive international issue. So without further ado... Please turn off those lights, sit back and relax next to the fire, for more Dark History. The world, between 1915 and 1923, was carnage to say the least, and it's between those years this repugnant, yet complex, event occurred. So before we start, I think it's important to understand what was actually going on in the world at the time 
the war years saw a global conflict involving major powers, reshaping political landscapes and causing widespread devastation. Trench warfare, technological advancement and significant losses of life characterised the war. The Bolshevik Revolution in Russia in 1917 led to the establishment of the Soviet Union, altering the balance and inspiring other revolutionary movements worldwide. To combine the craziness of the decade, a pandemic gripped the world. The Spanish flu hit in 1918, lasting until 1919. The influenza pandemic caused a global health crisis, infecting a significant portion of the world's population and resulted in millions of deaths. Within that pandemic, the Treaty of Versailles was signed, the peace treaty that officially ended World War I, imposing heavy penalties on Germany and establishing the League of Nations in an attempt to prevent future conflicts. We all know what happened 20 years later. The aftermath of World War I saw efforts to rebuild and redefine nations. New political boundaries emerged and empires crumbled. One empire to crumble was the Ottoman Empire, who during the war had been dubbed the sick man of Europe. Turkey underwent a struggle for independence, led by Mustafa Kemal Ataturk, resulting in the establishment of the Republic of Turkey in 1923. This period in time was characterised by a complex interplay of geopolitical shifts, social transformations and the aftermaths of a devastating global conflict and it would set the stage for the 20th century. The Armenians were a primarily Christian ethnic group who lived in eastern Anatolia for centuries. At the turn of the 20th century, approximately 2 million Armenians lived in the Ottoman Empire, primarily in rural areas, although there were small communities in large urban areas such as Constantinople. The Armenians of the Ottoman Empire faced many obstacles. Firstly, as a Christian minority in a Muslim-majority empire, they were subjected to legal discrimination, higher taxes and unpunished crimes against them, including robberies, murders and sexual assaults. Over time, radical ideologies that privileged ethnic Turks opened new opportunities for anti-Armenian discrimination. The second significant obstacle was their role as a middleman minority. In a nutshell, a middleman minority is an ethnic group that is overrepresented in occupations like bankers or merchants, relative to their small overall population. The most famous middleman minority are the Jews in Europe and the United States. Although only a small percentage of Armenians worked in these lucrative jobs, all Armenians were subjected to discrimination, that described them as parasites, thieves and leeches, who were stealing this caused outbreaks of violence and persecutions throughout the late 19th century. The Ottoman government regularly seized Armenian land, 
to redistribute to Muslims and Kurdish settlers, and the Kurdish Hamidian regiment were given free reign to raid Armenian villages as part of their resettlement. Despite attempts to muster international support, the Armenians were left to defend themselves, who formed a number of impromptu militia groups to defend their towns. But the Ottoman authorities interpreted this as a sign of rebellion and cracked down hard in the 1890s. In 1894, in the town of Sasun, thousands of Armenians were slaughtered. These actions were widely condemned by the world, but the damnations didn't deter the Ottomans. It made them more angry. In 1895, massacres of Armenians broke out in Constantinople and then engulfed the rest of the Armenian-populated regions. Stories of Armenian women and children being assaulted and killed were widespread. One of the worst atrocities took place in Urfa, where Ottoman troops burned an Armenian cathedral, in which 3,000 Armenians had taken refuge. They would shoot anyone who tried to escape. Known as the Hamidian Massacres, 300,000 were killed at the hands of their Muslim neighbours and the government soldiers. Many Armenian villages were forcibly converted to Islam. The Ottoman state bore the ultimate responsibility for the killings. The state's purpose was violently restoring the previous social order in which Christians would unquestionably accept Muslim supremacy and forcing Armenians to emigrate, thereby decreasing their numbers. Violence would continue right up into the 1900s. In early 1909, the worst massacre happened in Adana, Armed Muslims attacked the Armenian quarter, and the Armenians returned fire. Ottoman soldiers did not protect the Armenians, and instead armed the rioters. Between 20,000 and 25,000 people, mostly Armenians, were killed in Ardana and nearby towns. None of these massacres are considered part of the main genocide, but they show that the genocide as a whole was not an isolated incident. The Armenians were being slaughtered long before the actual genocide began. The genocide was an evolution of what was already occurring at the time. Two changes and events exacerbated the situation and turned it from massacres occurring in pockets around the country to a full-blown extermination. The first was the rise of the CUP, or the Committee of the Union and Progress. The CUP, or more famously known as the Young Turks, were radicals who wanted to bring about the end of the absolute monarchy in the empire, and had a strong ethno-nationalist agenda, calling for the Turkification of the empire. In 1913, they managed to take power under the leadership of Mehmed Talat, or Talat Pasha, who effectively became a dictator. Talat Pasha, along with the Sultan, began to steer the empire to be more pro-Muslim, turning a blind eye to the brutalization of the Christians, including the Armenians, 
Greeks and the Assyrian minorities in the country. Secondly, during the First World War, the Ottoman Empire joined forces with Germany and Austria-Hungary against the British, France and Russians. Russia's border with the Ottoman Empire would be very problematic. Add to the fact that the Orthodox Russians had a very strong kinship with the Armenians. The Ottoman leaders openly blamed their defeats on the Armenians in the region and stated that they had betrayed their empire by fighting for and helping enemy forces. As losses amplified, the nationalist desire for the Ottoman leaders to create an ethnically homogenous community began to grow. It was hoped that this community would then strengthen the empire through shared beliefs and as a result ensure its survival. As the majority of the inhabitants of the Ottoman Empire were Muslims and the Christian Armenians were increasingly seen as outsiders and a threat to the harmony of the empire. Indeed, as the war intensified, Armenians saw the Russian army as liberators and welcomed them as they poured into Turkish Armenia. The notion that the Armenians were fighting against the Turks was a deliberate falsehood but these governmental lies acted as a catalyst and justification for the genocide of the Armenian people. And the CUP government could use the emergency wartime conditions to create a more ethnically homogenous country. In January 1915, Enver Pasha attempted to push back the Russians at the Battle of Sarkaminish, only to suffer the worst Ottoman defeat of the war. Although poor generalship and hard conditions were the main reason for the loss, the young Turk government sought to shift the blame onto Armenian treachery. Armenian soldiers and other non-Muslims in the army were demobilised and transferred into labour battalions. The disarmed Armenian soldiers were then systematically murdered by Ottoman troops the first victims of what would become the genocide. About the same time, irregular forces began to carry out mass killings in Armenian villages near the Russian border. Armenian resistance, when it occurred, provided the authorities with a pretext for employing harsher methods. In April 1915, Armenians in Van barricaded themselves into the city's Armenian neighbourhoods and fought back against the Ottoman troops. As many as 55,000 people were killed. The leader of the province drew up plans to exterminate every single fighting-aged Armenian male in Van. The rebels in Van held the Ottoman army off until the Russian army forced the Ottomans into retreat. As the Turks retreated, they attacked Armenian and Assyrian Syriac villages. The men were killed immediately. Many women and children were kidnapped by local Kurds, and the others marched away to be killed later. The events at Van would terrify Talat Pasha, who was convinced an Armenian uprising was imminent. On April the 24th, 1915, citing Van and several other episodes of Armenian resistance, Talat Pasha ordered the arrest of approximately 250 Armenian intellectuals and politicians in Istanbul, including several deputies to the Ottoman parliament.
most of the men who were arrested were killed in the months that followed. Orders were sent all over the country to do the very same. This was in the hope to decapitate the leadership of any Armenian uprising. The 24th of April 1915 is the day widely regarded as the start of the Armenian Genocide. In May 1915, the deportation of the Armenians from the Empire's eastern province began. A series of consecutive laws passed by the Turkish government gave it the right to confiscate or otherwise impound Armenian properties and businesses left behind by the departing deportees as a wartime necessity. Other restrictions of similar or harsher nature soon followed, leaving the Armenian population defenceless propertyless and generally destitute. False marches and massacres became more commonplace and widespread, especially on deportation routes. The Turkish military instituted a number of gruesome methods to exterminate the Armenian population, some of which would be adopted and refined by the Nazis a mere 25 years later. Those who were not killed outright by the military often faced starvation along the way. Rapes of women and girls were also commonplace. At least 150,000 Armenians passed through the Erzinjan from June 1915, where a series of transit camps were set up to control the flow of victims to the killing site at the nearby Kamar Gorge. Thousands of Armenians were killed near Lake Kazar, pushed by paramilitaries off the cliffs. More than 500,000 Armenians passed through the plains south of Malatya, one of the deadliest areas during the genocide. Arriving convoys, having passed through the plains to approach the Kahata Highlands, would have found gorges already filled with corpses from previous convoys. Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories, a paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week, bringing you all the hauntings, from haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. Many others were held in tributary valleys of the Tigris, Euphrates or the Murat and systematically executed by special organisations. Armenian men were often drowned by being tied together back to back before being thrown into the water, a method that was not used on women. Authorities viewed disposal of bodies through the river as a cheap and efficient method but it caused widespread pollution downstream. So many bodies floated down the Tigris and Euphrates that they sometimes blocked the river and needed to be cleared with explosives. Tens of thousands of Armenians also died along the roads and their bodies were buried hastily or more often simply left beside the roads. The Ottoman government ordered the corpses to be cleared as soon as possible 
to prevent both photographic documentation and disease epidemics, but these orders were not uniformly followed. The Armenians who managed to survive the marches were sent on foot to concentration camps created by the Ottoman military. These camps were located near modern Turkey's southern border in the Syrian desert of Deir Esor. The Turkish government routinely withheld food and water from the Armenians in the camps. The lack of nourishment, coupled with unsanitary conditions and widespread disease, meant that life expectancy at the camp was extraordinarily short. Some Armenian women and girls were often sold while in the camps by Turkish gendarmes to local Arab Bedouins and chieftains. Many of the Armenian women were also routinely abducted and taken as forced brides by Turkish and Kurdish militiamen. Intentional, state-sponsored killing of Armenians mostly ceased by the end of January 1917, although sporadic massacres and starvation continued. Both contemporaries and late historians have estimated that around 1 million Armenians died during the genocide, with figures ranging from 600,000 to 1.5 million deaths. Between 800,000 and 1.2 million Armenians were deported, and contemporaries estimate that by late 1916, only 200,000 were still alive. Ultimately, massacres would flare up again during the Turkish War of Independence, seeing nearly 100,000 Armenians massacred in Transoxiana by the Turkish army, and another 100,000 fled from Silesia during the French withdrawal. Armenian survivors were left mainly in three locations. About 295,000 Armenians had fled to Russian-controlled territories during the genocide and ended up mostly in Soviet Armenia. An estimated 200,000 Armenian refugees settled in the Middle East, and in the Republic of Turkey, about 100,000 Armenians lived in Constantinople with another 200,000 living in the provinces, largely women and children who had been forcibly converted. Though Armenians in Constantinople faced discrimination, they were allowed to maintain their cultural identity, unlike those elsewhere in Turkey, who continued to face forced Islamization and kidnap of girls after 1923. To this day, the Turkish government denies the Armenian genocide. The Turkish government maintains that the mass deportations of Armenians was a legitimate action to combat the existential threat to the empire, but that there was no intention to exterminate the Armenian people. The government's position is supported by the majority of Turkish citizens. Many Kurds, who themselves have suffered political repression in Turkey, have recognised and condemned the genocide. The Turkish state perceives open discussions of the genocide as a threat to national security because of its connection with the foundation of the Republic and for decades have strictly censored it. (laughs) 
Thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to this dark episode. I wrote and rewrote this script as it's incredibly difficult not to get bogged down in the intricacies of the story. Believe me, this episode could have easily been an hour or two long. I implore you to go and do your own research on this topic because it is mind-bending. You have the whole struggles of the Armenians during the Ottoman Empire when it was in its heyday, the ultimate death of the empire and how all the moving parts of its political fallout were blamed on the minorities. Today, the world almost feels like it's on a knife edge. And when you look at the world during the early decades of the 20th century, you can draw similarities. We've had a pandemic, just like they did back then. The geopolitical landscape is shifting, just like back then. Wars are beginning to break out all over the world, just like then. At the risk of putting my tinfoil hat on, the media pushes your views on wars. As Ukraine was invaded by Russia, we hear a lot about the plight of the Ukrainian people. Now we have the Israel and Palestine conflict that has become an incendiary topic across the world, with the media pushing the Israeli narrative and others pushing the Free Palestine narrative. But behind all the media coverage of these wars, another war is and has taken place between Azerbaijan and you've guessed it, Armenia, over the disputed territory of Nagorno-Karabakh. The majority in the region are ethnic Armenians, but as of the 19th of September 2023, they have all been forced out and tensions between the two countries are high. With a hatred that runs quite deep, we could again see massacres and forced displacement of Armenians as this conflict escalates. Before I go on to my comment spiel, I wanted to thank everyone who's listened, commented and rated the show over the last 18 months. Because as of last episode, we hit 100k downloads. I know there are people out there who have millions, or tens of millions, but I've taken this as quite an achievement for a show that is literally just me. So I really wanted to say to each and every one of you that makes this happen, thank you. Anyway, if you could please drop a review on the show, it really does help the podcast out. The more reviews, the more the algorithm pushes the show out there. If you think friends and family may be interested in the podcast, well then share it with them. Links to our socials are below. The links to the show's Patreon is below. This is for people who want to support the channel, but you don't have to. But this is where you can find our other content this week in history. As always, if you've been listening for a while, why not subscribe? Please do, and in that way you never miss an episode. So with all that out the way, thank you again for listening. Join us next time for our next episode as we delve into another event and more dark history.